This is Soundmaking, a podcast made by Hogan Stenner and myself, Matthew Schlomowitz. Each episode of Soundmaking features a composer or performer discussing the how and why of music they've created. In this episode, percussionist and composer John Lane presents the album Trigger, a cross-arts project in which composers, poets and performers artistically respond to gun violence. The disc was released on Albany Records and contains pieces by John Lane and Alan Otty, Bonnie Whiting, Nick Lance, Elizabeth Baker, Amanda Scoofs and Danny Clay, and is performed by John Lane and Alan Otty as well as the Torch Quartet. The record is available on the links provided and please also check out the video in the link. My name is John Lane. I'm a percussionist and composer, an interdisciplinary collaborator, and I live in Huntsville, Texas. You just heard the piece called Coping by a composer friend of mine, Danny Clay. Danny wrote this piece as part of this project, Trigger, Artists Respond to Gun Violence. And Danny, in addition to being a imaginative composer is also an elementary school teacher or has been off and on through his career. And so as, as we'll get into the topic of how to respond to gun violence is difficult. And he decided instead of reflecting on, on the issue itself was to rather, he thought immediately of his students in the San Francisco Bay area and how the wake of violence leaves indelible sort of imprints on, on young people. And so he asked his students to help. And he asked them how we could build a, a means of coping with anger and violence of others, but also within themselves. And so the resulting ideas are pretty interesting and, and diverse. They ended up being a series of kind of meditations. Uh, and then even one of them is a, a young student who wrote a, a letter to themselves, like to their future self, about how how they can cope. Uh, it's it's really a beautiful piece, and and 
probably the most unique on the album in terms of like how it responded to the issue. Like it, it wasn't just reflecting on the horror of the violence that this issue is uh, is all about, but really um, turning it back to how do we deal with this as young people, you know, because they're often affected by this the most. So today we're going to talk about my big collaborative project called Trigger, Artists Respond to Gun Violence. And this was originally conceived uh, and, and kind of curated by me and a dear friend of mine and longtime collaborator Nick Lance, who's a writer and poet, playwright. We've done a number of collaborations over the years, and it, it was just feeling like it was time to do something new. And so we were looking around for for issues that we wanted to respond to. Um, that's something that I do a lot in my work uh, with a piece called The Innocence. So this is like a direct outgrowth of that work with Alan Audi from, uh, from Cincinnati, Percussion Group Cincinnati. We have this uh, project where we... Um, it's a sort of a social justice advocacy project called The Innocence. And we found that just responding to sociopolitical issues through art was very meaningful for us. And so when I had the opportunity to imagine something with Nick, I thought, well, what's what's the next issue I want to tackle? And uh, I, I immediately brought Al in on the project, and, and we decided that uh, in light of – this was just in light of uh, a spate of – horrific shootings here in the U.S. Um, that we decided responding to gun violence was what we wanted to do. So I I hooked up with, with Nick on this project, and we decided that it was going to be three kind of artistic artifacts. There was going to be a book of poetry where he would commission poets to respond to this uh, and, and possibly other writings, but certainly poems. There would be, uh, I would commission composers to respond with uh, with with music, and so we'll create an electronic folio of so- scores, and then finally this recording, so three main artifacts. So Nick went off and started working with the poets, and I started commissioning composers, and I just started contacting um, the collaborators that, I, that I've worked with in the past. So Alan Adi, of course, was right from the beginning, Bonnie Whiting, who's a terrific percussionist up in Seattle, um, and we've worked together a number of times. So I brought them in right away, and asked if they would be interested to create pieces or if they had ideas for other composers that we might commission. First, Al and I made made a piece um, called Consumer Market, and we can talk about that uh, maybe in a little bit. Amanda Schoff's uh, terrific composer submitted a graphic score. She had kind of a personal history with violence, and, and again, we can we can discuss any of these pieces in depth in a bit. Uh, Elizabeth Baker was one that was recommended by Bonnie, and so she wrote a piece for an amplified uh, ammo can with interactive electronics. You take a metal ammo can and attach a transducer to it, and then there's some processing that that goes on. Um, But it's all essentially making sounds from the ammo can. Uh, Al made a piece called Three Contrafacta, which is for prepared piano, where he took sort of even bullet casings and put them in between the strings of the piano uh, and various other preparations, I believe. Um, And then there was a piece uh, that that I made, uh, well, the Amanda Schoff's piece also uses bullet casings for that. So that's kind of how it came about. And when I say it was kind of a ripple effect from The Innocents, the way we thought of the innocence, which deals with wrongful, 
conviction and exoneration in the criminal justice system, the way we approach that piece is over an hour, it's kind of a prismatic view of that issue. So it looks at it from many, many different angles. It's not just from one perspective. And so I wanted to do the same thing with this project. So I tried to encourage every collaborator that was brought on board to, you know, reckon with the issue of gun violence from as many different angles as we could get. So here are some of the the angles. Uh, school shootings. Uh, Amanda Schof's piece deals with that topic. A personal history with guns. Nick's poetry uh, deals with that also um, Amanda Schof's uh, story. Uh, the gun lobby and industry, that's consumer market, and that's based on a text by Nick Lance. The collection of guns with fervent religious zealotry, that's Bonnie's piece, Bring Many Names, uh, which also combines a um, some text by Amanda Bales. The psychology of violence in public spaces and how the wake of violence leaves indelible imprints on people's minds and bodies, and that uh, comes from Danny Clay's piece. So that's kind of an overview of what the project is. One six nine ten means we got shots fired. Four fifteen ASF. Route ninety one satellite automatic firearm. Okay, so red in. One six nine ten means we have shots fired. The fact of the matter is that over the last few years, the market for modern sporting rifles has experienced significant excess manufacturing capacity. Given this level of manufacturing capacity, we believe there is adequate supply for modern sporting rifles for the foreseeable. Consumer Market is a piece that was inspired by this poem that Nick Lance wrote. 
And this leads off the album too, so it's just a good starter. So Nick, uh, he does sometimes he does found poetry. I've used a couple of his techniques before to make text for pieces for myself, but um, in this case, he found a letter from the CEO of Colt Firearms Manufacturing talking about how um, you know that these these AR-15 style weapons were um, created for the consumer market and how they you know, wanted to keep doing this and support your second amendment rights and all of this. Okay. So he took that, um, speech from the CEO or letter from the CEO of Colt and juxtaposed it sort of back and forth, um, alternated with quotes from the victims of this Las Vegas shooting at Mandalay Bay, which, uh, I think was 58 people killed something like that. Just horrific, horrific violence. And of course they're just, um, heartbreaking uh, quotes from this. And I, I couldn't quite find a way to make that work. Um, and so in just searching about the Las Vegas shooting, I found that the police chatter uh, back and forth um, is available freely online. And so what I did was I juxtaposed the Colt letter, which I did with my voice with some processing, juxtaposed with some of these real um, police chatter recordings of the actual event. And then I made kind of an electronic soundscape. And then Alan and I, for many years now, have been working on this these soundboards. Uh, it's essentially a piece of wood with a bunch of different things attached to it um, and then amplified and run through electronics processing. So we call them soundboards, kind of similar to what Mark Applebaum was doing with his mouse traps. if you might be familiar with that. It's that kind of thing, very, very just... Um, whimsical collection of things, springs and music boxes and all kinds of things, nails. Uh, and just like we worked with the Innocents, I had the electronic part and I knew we were going to use the soundboards. And I said, okay, Al, I've got half, a half-baked idea here. Help me finish it. And he, uh, he came up with the structure and, and what, we would, what we would do with our boards and how we would interact with the electronics. Softly and tenderly, though your heart may be heavy with sorrow and care, bring in the children, bring many names. Bring them in, do not let they. By thy tears, a brighter dawn is breaking. The bright forever, a day of glory beyond the smiling 
Hallelujah. Deliverance will come. Soon and very soon. Disposer supreme. Hope of the ages. Judge of the earth. So Bonnie Whiting's piece is called Bring Many Names, and this piece combines Amanda Bale's uh, story from 2021 called a school gunman's letter composed of hymn titles. And it's, so that's the, the texts that are spoken and sung and uh, an experimental reimagining of the morning trumpet, an early American shape note hymn with roots in the 1790s. The, and I'm just paraphrasing from Bonnie's notes on the piece, the original hymn, John Leland and B.F. White, The Sacred Harp, number 85, is full of war imagery and fervent zealotry set to open fifths and octaves and employing the signature square, diamond, and triangle note heads unique to this system. In the setting, the shape note heads are transformed and modified by extended techniques developed by the Torch Quartet musicians, which is the group that she plays with and that appears on this recording, and is embellished by free improvisation. The resultant work explores our specifically American combination of evangelical piety, pride, violence, and mental illness. And um, what's interesting is that that a school gunman's letter composed of hymn titles is, uh, you know, it's kind of a found poem where it's where it's like the text is just hymn titles, but it it sort of strings together to paint this picture, you know. Uh, and so one of the Bonnie was one of the you know collaborators from the very beginning, and also you know somebody who shared a lot of trepidations about kind of th- this topic that we were undertaking and how difficult it was to try to respond to it. But it, but when she found when she found this angle, you know that this um, kind of religious zealotry tied to this you know, connection is fervent kind of zealotry. And what's really strange is that you you would think that there would be this cognitive dissonance. You know, there's a guy in our neighborhood on a, when I drive out to, to go to work and take my son to school every day, this guy has a huge flag on his garage and it says, God, guns, and Trump. And I just, I just, there's got to be some like, cognitive dissonance there. I mean, I I don't understand the connection between God and guns and, you know, it's just, and Trump, I mean, we can make the connection there, but like God and guns. So she, she nailed it with, with this idea that this fervent religious zealotry tied to some uh, strangely held fetishization of guns in this, in this culture. It's very strange. 
so it captures that, uh, the strangeness of that and kind of the um, obsessive quality of that. And uh, I think just the sound of this piece is really unique. I think part of the challenge with this particular issue was to make sure that the pieces didn't become di- didactic, you know. Um, and it, it's actually one of the one of the issues with this topic was that you know a lot of composers that I contacted said I I just have no idea how to respond to this, and you know the people that are going to respond to it are going to be kind of on the same page. I mean, I don't have any Second Amendment, you know, pro-gun <laughs> pieces on here. Uh, it's all in response to, in, in the negative to this issue. So so it's kind of problematic in that sense. But more broadly, what what art can do, and and kind of the thing that, that Al has taught me with his, with his approach in his career is that there's no reason to separate what we do as artists from, from the problems that we see in the world, that we can... Um, use our our training as as classically trained musicians percussionists composers to respond to these to the issues that we see um, that there there is no reason that we have to separate it um, and he he actually articulates this really well in a in, in a statement here which I could which I could read from the liner notes which I think is is really good and what he says is um, what we are offering here is is our having made something which intends to actively participate in an ever-changing process of cultural discourse. Each of us have assigned a meaning to what we've done, what it is we as composers, writers, performers, members of a community wish to contribute. The recipients of this experience will also assign a meaning to it in their lives at the moment of that interaction. Our artistic input is part of a process of history, which is, of course, which of course also makes it output, reflecting current conditions in the society in which we are functioning. We choose to believe that art, art as advocacy, can and does make a difference, that it does light a path in the time and place where it is made, and that it leaves a path for those who come behind. And that's a very poetic way of describing what it is that we do um, and what we've done through the innocence as well. But I think it's the idea of thinking of ourselves as artists as contributing something to the discourse of our time, you know. And what we found with like what we found with the innocence was that the people, for instance, we we've done that we've done that piece a lot for people that are working, lawyers and volunteers doing the work of exonerating these people, and then the exonerees themselves in the audience coming up to us and telling us how important this work is and how powerful it is and how we should keep going because, you know, they don't have a voice. And at the end of the day, one of the things that art can do that that none of these other things can do, you know, volunteer work, all of this kind of thing, that's important that we do that in our communities. But the one thing that art can do is speak to the emotional core of an issue and connect on that human level 
that's just impossible that if I just read a paper or quoted you some statistics on whatever the issue was, it wouldn't have the same impact as the human connection of, of music and art and that experience. That's why I do this. Without the use of an arm, countless others, anguished, bereaved, innocent Second Amendment crafted in an 18th century culture of entitlements and superiorities modeled on even more ancient precedents, empowered bands of well-regulated white landowning musket-bearing militiamen, assuring them, amongst other things, their continued slave patrols, security against insurrection by an overwhelmingly majority population. This not-so-innocent Second Amendment now finds itself held sacred hostage 
to a distorting 21st century culture of idolatry, envy, acquisition, anxiety, self-righteous entitlement, and fear that fuels flames of slavish devotion to resentful anger, bitter rage, deadly vigilante violence with impunity. Puppet politicians, pseudo-patriotism, false spirituality, real and imagined, threatened privilege, algorithmic manipulation, amplifying any and all insecurities. 